Is that a fire cone? No, Scott. That's a tone drop. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's better every time. Uh, all right. So we're going to do a, uh, another quick uh, tone drop. Yeah. Um, we wanted to talk about uh, the avalanche uh, that happened out in the Kootenays mm-hmm. um, that took uh, or injured... Well, there's two police officers involved from Nelson Police. Yep. Uh, one unfortunately passed away, and the other one's in critical condition. Yeah, so the officer that passed away is Wade Tittemore. Uh, he's 43 years old. Um, he's fairly new to the Nelson PD, from what I understand. I believe he's from Alberta, mm-hmm. um, another agency out there. It's Calgary. Yes, I think so, yeah. Hmm. And then the other officer who's injured, he's in critical condition still, uh, Nole, Officer Nole. Mm-hmm. Um, so... For those that aren't aware, Nelson PD is like, it's one of the, it, well, I was going to say one of the, it is the smallest municipal uh, department in BC. So, um, obviously we have the RCP that covers, you know, they have small detachments, but it's the federal police force. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas municipal police forces are, you got Surrey, or not Surrey, but yeah, you see that Surrey yeah, yeah. Surrey kind of has a quasi-police force, or, you know, that's not a whole other matter. Yeah. Um, but you got Vancouver and um, Delta and those guys, um, they all have lots of officers. Um Nelson, which is, I think it's been a police force since the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very early it's on. one of the older police forces, yeah. municipal yeah. police forces, but they only have like 20 members. So it's obviously uh, hits them very hard. Um, yeah. From what I understand, they've actually um, almost shut down their operations currently, and the RCP are actually handling most of their uh, cases right now because mm-hmm. um, it hit them pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess Ash is our resident avalanche expert because for those that don't know, Ash mm-hmm. used to work. Uh, in SAR before you came to us. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had quite a few years uh, for search and rescue. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a uh, certified avalanche level one and two tech. Um, big into backcountry snowmobiling, uh, so keeping myself <coughs> as up to date as possible. Uh, it's been a few years since I've been on course, but um, every year that we go out, you know, we're always digging pits. We're uh, checking how the snowpack is. Uh, and sadly, this year, the snowpack is terrible. Yeah. So uh, there's many reasons why that, that, that can be. Most of it comes down to um, kind of how that, that first few um, big snowfalls, like what, what that kind of amounts to, uh, and then the weather patterns after that. So um, big, big freezes, um, warm weather patterns, and then snow on top, top of that after it freezes, Hoarfrost, which is like if, if you look at snow on the ground or snow on anything, <coughs> it's that like you can see it stands up. It's like very, it's not soft and fluffy. It's like it looks like ice. frost. It's yeah. ice. Um, so we have a lot of that. There's a massive hoarfrost layer that's down pretty deep. Uh, so when something does rip, it's going to take a lot of snow load on top of that and take, <coughs> take that with it. Um, Definitely the aspect of the slope is going to come come into play. Um, and I don't have a lot of information on whereabouts these guys were and right. what triggered it. Uh, it sounds like they were backcountry skiing mm-hmm. uh, with snowmobile access. So that's really big out in the Kootenays. Um, there's a lot of awesome backcountry skiing where uh, you strap your skis to the side of a snowmobile. Uh, you snowmobile up a big mountain and then you let your snowmobile go down all on its own. Oh really? And then, yeah. yeah. I yeah. Didn't know that yeah. And then um, you ski down after it. So yeah, it's it's a really cool sport. Uh, it gets you out there where not a lot of other people are turning tracks. Um, yeah, I mean it can be amazing, but sadly it can also 
uh, have some pretty uh, devastating results. And this year alone, um, there's been some some pretty devastating results, um, you know, locally uh, with uh, these here officers. Um, down in the States, there's been many, many fatalities already from uh, Avalanche. Um, yeah, it's this is a terrible, terrible snowpack year. Uh, and from the little bit that I did read, uh, it sounds like these guys were experienced in the back backcountry. Uh, so even being experienced, even having all the prop, you know, all the prop, uh, uh, proper gear. Uh, so I believe they had avalanche packs on. Uh, I believe they had all of their safety beacons, uh, which can alert to wherever that person is going to be trapped. But uh, with uh, limited resources. Um, unless you get to them immediately, once that snow, like once you're buried in it, as soon as that snow starts to move and then slows down, it goes from that light fluffy snow and the more it packs and packs, it's basically like uh, cement. Yeah. Um, and unless you have like a good, uh, you know, pop, uh, a really nice pocket of air, um, and you're semi-close to the surface, uh, you know, again, when you're in there, you don't know what's up or down. Um, you're getting tossed and turned and ripped and... There could be trees and other limbs, and I mean, if you're with skis, I mean, those are going to be the things that don't likely surface to the top, putting your head to the bottom. Um, it's a self rescue is next to impossible, uh, so your buddy rescue has to be on it, like on it. Uh, and if there's only a couple of them there, uh, to try to rescue two of them um, is going to be a pretty, pretty big event. Yeah, it sounds like. Um... The one officer who survived, he's in critical condition. Mm -hmm. um, he was fortunate and unfortunate enough to go into some trees. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that, of course, caused a lot of the, the injuries from yeah. the trees. But, however, by bouncing off those trees a little bit, he was closer to the surface. Yeah. And I believe he just had a bit of his arm sticking up. Sure. That's how they were able to find him. Easy to find. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I could go into, like, avalanche safety and, and all that stuff, but... Um, I mean, the biggest thing, if you're ever caught on an avalanche, you just try to swim. You try to keep your uh, wits about you. Um, if you are on a snowmobile or if you're on skis or whatever else, try to get away from that as best as possible. If you're going like um, lateral, too. You're not trying to race down the hill. You're trying to go... Yeah, so if, if you're able to maneuver, so like on a snowmobile, you try to get to the wing of it. Um, if you're at the bottom of it, yeah, I mean, if you can outrun it, sure. I mean, that's going to be your natural instinct is uh, this thing's coming at me. Let's get away from it. Uh, but outrunning an avalanche is next, next to impossible. Trying to, trying to get yourself off to one of the sides is going to be the best thing for you. If you are caught in it, try to separate yourself from your uh, snowmobile. Uh, and then yeah, swim. It's, it's a weird, weird feeling. Uh, I mean, I'm going to touch wood. I've only been caught kind of up to my waist um, oh. and, and even that was uh, it's pretty unsettling mm -hmm. uh, knowing that like that you, I, I was trapped I couldn't move you know initially uh, so so in that case what like talk us through that like how, how did that how did that occur so yeah it was just an unstable snow snow load on a very minimal slope um, we knew at the time it was pretty high avalanche risk um, where we were you weren't at a risk of being trapped under it uh, but we were pretty aware that it could slide uh, and it did um, I was on a snowmobile um, and it, there wasn't adequate run out so there was nowhere really to go so you kind of had to ride through it um, so my best option was going to try to po poke out 
the top side of it um, that didn't pan out uh, ended up getting kind of sloughed back with it and it was yeah kind of waste waste level um, I mean it was easy out uh, a quick wiggle and I was free and then a quick dig and my snowmobile was free um, if I was at the bottom of the hill it would have been worse um, and yeah it's it's really really challenging it, with the conditions that you know we have now um, getting yourself out there you know digging a hole and seeing what that avalanche like what that that snow snowpack looks like um you know without diving into it and turning this into an hour and a half long course um just being aware of what that snow load looks like so, you guys start, you guys like dig down straight down. And, and then, yeah and then you look at like the mm -hmm. layers yeah so if if you're if this is a video as well so if you have a slope we'll try to angle it uh you dig straight down in into the slope um and then you're testing that so you can visibly see the different uh, uh layers there um, it's like a parfait <laughs> yeah yeah meat good custard good <laughs> it's good friends um, so you can kind of see that and then you also do like you'll put your uh, shovel on it and you'll do your quick tap tap right, test, tap, yeah. right? so tap 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 and if that doesn't do it you know then you go into the the fuller hand and then you go into the beat right so right now they're they're seeing events occur on the tap test uh, and that's like very very extreme mm -hmm. um you can actually feel the different like if you're going down where where you've cut you can feel by poking in like just by a finger and then you can go by a hand and you can feel the difference of resistance mm -hmm. um yeah again if you haven't had a course and you are you know traveling in the you know if you're a, a skier that ever skis out of bounds if you're a snowmobiler i mean if you're going into the backcountry um, you know, get out there and get educated. Um, the best trained person, you know, I, I always say I don't go snowmobiling unless somebody that I'm with has had the course because all of my knowledge is useless when, you're under the when I'm buried under the snow, right? I need mm -hmm. my friends to have, you know, at least <clears throat> the first level of avalanche training um, because they're the ones that will rescue me uh, and then vice versa. Like if something happens to them, it's going to be my skill set that's going to go and rescue them. Okay. Um, and like in British Columbia, uh, search and rescue is really good. Uh, if you look down at uh, like the Whistler area, uh, North Shore SAR is like those guys are rock stars. Um, they have like fire hall kind of uh, times. Like where if you look at the local SAR community here, um, realistically they're more of a recovery that's just the kind of the reality of what it is we would train ourselves so we could read the snow and we wouldn't go in until it was safe um and if there was an event while we were out there it was so we could do the more of a companion rescue uh where um north shore i mean those guys are like they're getting heli out to yeah. the scene they're they're doing a long line drop and they're doing rescues right on, right. you know, right on the slope. They, those guys are the rock stars right. of uh, SAR. Um, I've seen people with the uh, with those little pillows that like almost look like water wings that pop out. Yeah, so that's an avalanche backpack. Um, there's a couple different like major companies that do it. Uh, Snowpulse, um, Memu, um, uh, BCA. Uh, it's basically there's a flotation device. Uh, some of them are uh, battery powered and it'll actually inflate it. Uh, some of them have a pressurized canister. Uh, mine is the pressurized canister. Um, and it goes to a pull, pull cord that's on your shoulder. Um, so anytime that you're in an avalanche terrain, you're running with that uh, cord out. Um, 
And if something happens, you can deploy that. And it does a couple things. So A, it helps you float. B, it also protects your neck from uh, injury as well. Uh, and then, you know, coupled with this part, you know, the backside of your head being uh, protected, you, you can also bring up your hands. You're obviously wearing a helmet. You shouldn't be out, out there without a helmet. But if you can protect your face as best as possible, like once you kind of feel the snow sort of set up, like you're you're actively swimming, you're trying to get yourself up as high as you can. Once the snow starts to uh, press down on you, getting your hands and protecting your face as much as possible, even just a small pocket of air, can buy you minutes right mm -hmm. so everything come, comes down to minutes um is the uh avalon still a thing it is yeah so i mean we're not big on that um i mean i should say we're not big on it just it's it's not popular i guess around here but yeah there's there's a ton of opportunity um i'm not super familiar with it yeah it's the it's called the avalon so mm -hmm. back in the day when i did backcountry stuff when i did training a long time ago <clears throat> we put a um there's some integrated into a pack then mm -hmm. there's some other ones you would just kind of kind of strap it on and clip it on and if you know you're going down through a chute where it could potentially have a fracture and go um you would take it out and actually put it in your mouth yeah. before you start going mm -hmm. and it would have a like an inhalation port down low that's kind of protected mm -hmm. uh so if you're if you are buried in that pocket you can still hopefully somewhat breathe where there's yeah, hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. i don't know a whole lot about it i guess that was a long time ago but yeah, so like when you're out doing active, you know, backcountry snowmobiling or whatever, um, I'm not super from you know, it's it's it, it's not commonplace for us. Um, I know there's people out there like when you're working in industry, I think that might be a bit more commonplace. Uh, on the recreational side, it's not as common. Um, I mean, there's maybe pe people out there that know more about it or are a bit, are a bit more you know familiar. If you want to comment on that. Um, yeah, I think in the recreation side, it's not quite as common, especially not right. around here, but they are a thing. Mm. Huh. Lots of information. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, it's um, it's really, really serious. It's, you know, we, we actually, like, we just got finished doing a podcast on RIT, and it's something that you hope never happens. Um, the likelihood of it happening on a fire ground is very, very, very slim. Mm. Uh, this is... You know, I think more of the real world version of that in the, the backcountry on snow with a much higher probability of it happening. Yeah. Well, from um, talking to you guys, like you yeah. and Warren, and mm -hmm. I've heard stories of avalanches from every one of you guys. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'll just stay in the, uh, <laughs> where <Yeah>. I stay. <laughs> yeah. out of the old <laughs> snowpack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a legitimate thing. Um, there's, if you're out traveling in the backcountry, you have either triggered one, you've seen one, you've uh, traversed through it. I think the biggest thing is people don't realize that they're traveling through avalanche terrain. Um, on my first course, um, it was uh, put on by the Black Tusk Snowmobile Club outside of Squamish. Um, it was specific for snowmobilers. Um, and uh, we're traveling, you basically you drive up the highway, you're on the Sea of Sky Highway, you drive off the highway, park, five minutes on a road and then you snowmobile up to this massive chalet and it's like an awesome awesome zone um groom trail the the entire way and like it's beautiful facility um and they had uh first day was a classroom second day was was all out in the back but you know out in the back country. and we started the second day and we actually sledded half halfway down the, the mountain and then turned ourselves back up and once we got back up to the top they asked so 
on our way up here, you know, how much avalanche train do you think we just passed through? And, you know, we're like, mm -hmm. groom, groom trail. You're not even thinking it, right? They're like, there's five spots that have slid within the past two seasons. And is it something that's going to wipe out the entire trail? No. But if you veer off trail or like they, they have had some that have wiped out the trail. So going through what you think is very, you know, shallow terrain, you're still in that avalanche alley. So being aware of the terrain that you're in, uh, you know, again, there is no, there is no uh, replacement for going out and getting some of those courses. Sure. Um, there's awareness courses. There's like Abbey tech courses. Um, just there's tons search out your local snowmobile clubs search out your local uh ski hills there they'll have all the information on it uh getting yourself out there getting uh the getting that information um and once you're out there get that that you know just like we say in fire getting that uh, hands-on um you can see it on a video you can read it in a book but until you actually go out and dig a pit and like feel how easy some of this shit is to fracture mm -hmm. um that's that's where you really get that retention <clears throat> You know, yeah. I've seen it just driving through the mountains mm -hmm. and you come across, uh, you know, they trigger one. They, they, they actually have mortars that they launch into the, yeah. uh, or howitzers they launch into the mountain to blow up the, to mm -hmm. cause an avalanche and then they clear it from the highway. But, you know, you, you'll see them, you'll yeah. see the, the result, or the aftermath of it. That's right. A mountain wall, a mountain, mm -hmm. a, uh, sorry, a wall of snow that they've pushed out of the way. It's come across the road, but they've, you know, they've triggered it so it won't come across mm -hmm. the road at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty... Pretty crazy, like uh, people that don't live in BC, because it's really BC, probably Montana, I'm guessing. Yep. Down in those areas mm -hmm. that that are gonna in North America, in your Colorado's. Yeah, like those. Yeah. Are, you know, it's not it's not gonna happen in the prairies. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so people from the prairies are they don't know like they they hear about avalanches. I don't think yeah. anyone really knows the avalanche. That's right. Issues yeah. we mm -hmm. we have. Yeah, like we are 25 minutes away from a hill that slides almost every year. Yeah. And people don't realize that or they don't think about the dangers, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's people out there doing high marks every, every you know, every single year. Uh, solo riders, people that don't have the equipment. We're like, man, like you guys know that this generally slides almost every single season. Um, they're just not aware of the dangers of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but especially like Scott saying, uh, guys that aren't from around here. So I see that and it just blows me away. And like you always try to go and give the friendly, hey man, like just so you know, like this has happened. Oh, really? Oh, that's crazy. I never would have thought, right? And we, we look at it, we're like, how can you not think? But if you don't know, you don't know. Now remove that out where they don't even have mountains. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty eye-opening. Yeah. It's funny going through some of our passes, like when you drive out to Alberta, uh, some of those, um, you know, mount, mountain passes, uh, showing the kids or showing whoever you're with. And you look up at this slope during the summertime and you see all these awesome trees with, branches only on the downward side and you're wondering like hey what, what's that about well because this slides every year once or twice and it's ripped off all of the uphill branches and you have this weird ass tree that's half bent, bent over with, with only you know the lower exactly. limbs on it right it's like oh okay that that makes sense yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think it's uh like you said it's very important just to um increase your awareness if you're doing any sort of back sure think. absolutely mm -hmm. and no matter how well you're prepared it could still happen like in this case that mm -hmm. occurred so um, yeah definitely like none of this was uh, geared, geared towards saying that they were not completely prepared uh, these are just the risks that we take every time that we go out there uh, you can do everything right and sadly um, end up yeah. on the wrong side of it right 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And rescuers again, right? That's why yeah. it's super important to yeah. to be very aware of, of the risk that mm-hmm. we take. So hundred percent. Yeah. Um quick uh, quick little round of shout outs. Um stoptheweed.org. Mm-hmm. We'll get behind them. Uh Manscaped. Mm-hmm. Your partner. DTF twenty twenty. DTF DTFF twenty. Yeah. For twenty percent off. Jock of fuel. We're pretty sure it's DTFF ten. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to our, uh, Dr. Nick Sparrow, our TAC, mm-hmm. the ATAC group as well. Actually, from That's Nelson. Right. From Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Modus. Modus. Yeah. yeah DTFF five. DTFF five for the five uh, percent off Modus. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Anything more, guys? Nope. No, sir. All right. Stay safe. Stay DTFF. Mm-hmm.